0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I'm Rachel Connolly from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, helping businesses to connect with top tech talent. And today, I am your host. Today, we are going to be discussing the topic of mastering continuous improvement through agile development. I am joined by Evan Papas from Database, Gary Clark from SchoolGrid. Lisa Freeman from ATA Productions and Dwayne Pascal from Reveal. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, Evan, would you like to kick us off?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for a lot of, you know, the invitation and everything. So, yeah, pretty much, you know, why in a short introduction about myself, uh, 15 years in the IT uh, space, uh, I've been having, you know, uh, three startup exits uh, uh, one of them uh, just uh, you know uh, very recently and a lot of experience in bit much delivering b2b platform software uh, uh, at, at the moment I'm, I'm the head of engineering database and uh, yeah that's pretty
0: much about me thanks Evan. gary we'll come to you next
2: thank you and good morning everyone and yeah my name is gary clark i'm the cto at uh, school grid uh, my background, I've uh, been CTO, in the CTO position for 13, 14 years or so. Uh, last couple of them at School Grid, um, we are, are in the edtech world. Uh, we provide a soft, software solution for uh, school catering specifically. Um, and previous to that, I worked in the uh, ERP uh, space, uh, working with the organizations to implement and... Um, Large enterprise business software. So I'm um, looking forward to this morning's discussions.
3: Thanks, Gary. Lisa? Hi, thanks, Rachel. I'm Lisa Freeman. I've been working on the web, building websites for just over 20 years. For um, the last about 16 of those, I've been running ATA productions with my big partner, um, and we're a web development company. We work mainly with small, medium sized companies, but of all sizes. Um, so, but we do a lot of our own in-house projects as well. So we're kind of, um, seeing both sides of things constantly of yeah, working with clients, but then also how you do things when you're doing in-house yourselves. And as for sectors, we cover all, all sectors. Um, and it's interesting to talk about continuous and improvement today because we, work with our clients for a long time so like there's one particular client I've got in mind when I'm talking about this crawler, cool, that we work for 11 years constantly constantly doing things with them. Thanks Lisa and Dwayne.
4: Hi Rachel thanks everybody and um, yeah so I- I've been in the tech industry for about 30 years now and uh, 20 of those doing technical leadership roles I've uh, worked with large companies like Vodafone, Amazon, Skyscanner, uh, worked with public sector organizations for a couple of years in the last Five years or so really been doing more cto startup roles and uh, currently I'm the co-founder and Cto with reveal that's two bells but uh, it's a it, we, we have a product management SaaS tool that uh, helps uh product teams really look at qualitative data analysis and and try to understand their customer feedback and uh, help do customer journeys and really prioritize what they're going to do next in their in their feature delivery so it's uh, it's kind of a, a medic product when you're dealing with trying to create a product for product people to create products.
0: Perfect. Thanks, everyone. Now that we're all introduced, let's move on to the topic and focus. So you all have a question or two on mastering continuous improvements through agile development. As usual, I'll work my way around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will also have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So we'll start with you, Ivan. One of the things you wanted to discuss was um, managing stakeholder expectations to ensure fixed-time delivery in a changing agile environment. Would you like to kind of give us some context behind this? And then, obviously, we'll go to the panel to to work our way around the question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think think this was, uh, and and it is still, uh, you know, one of the, you know, most, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, often dogfight between, between, um, you know, the, the tech leader and, and the stakeholder meaning that hey, you know the, we want we want to build x you know which is the next best thing when can by when can we have it ready and 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 uh, and the tech leader has to be much you know modest expectation modest, um, certainty and and uh and because you know if uh, communicate everything back to you know to the team and all the to, you know three very state you know uh, you know uh, personnel. Uh, and uh, and this usually happens uh, through Agile uh, because, you know, uh, uh, because this is how we usually kind of, kind of manage, or, or an Agile-like method because we, this is how we want to manage uncertainty. But at the end of the day, you know, the stakeholders of the board uh, are saying, okay, yes, what you know, can I have it in the month, can I have it in the year, can I have it, you know, by when, right? So, uh, so you know, you, you have to manage two, two ends, which is one, a very kind of fixed, uh, promise, and, and the other one is, is totally uncertain, right? Because there's just too many unknowns, unknowns when you're undertaking, especially new ventures. And um, uh, I do have so, you know, my take on this methodology, but uh, I would like to, you know, definitely discuss it with the panel first. That's me. <laughs> Well, who's gonna dive into that
4: one then first? Who we'll wants to go first of that one? At least I.
3: use I don't mind. Yeah. So when I read this question beforehand, the first thing that came to mind was just um it depends whether the stakeholders are bored, how well how, how you need to manage them, basically. I think your approach has to bend to suit those people, and that's kind of a part of a major part of our job, wasn't it? It's to to work right with people. Um because um if you can get them on board, because uh, when you say about that, like, you know, things are constantly changing, you don't know what you're doing. If you can tell people it will be now, but if it isn't now, it will be for a really good reason. Um, and as long as you know from the offset, you must have it in writing from them that they accept that, that if you can give them a really good reason, and um, maybe an unforeseen, but also a benefit, when you, get, when you get nearly there, you tell them, okay, we, we're not going to do that in milestone, we're not going to meet that milestone. Because if you wait another month, it will do this and this will be even better. Or this is shifted, this has changed, you want this other thing. Something I do a lot with um, stakeholders is I push back on their priority list. So when they ask for something and we're working towards that and then they throw in some other things along the way, I'm like, we can absolutely have that, no problem. But is it more important than this other thing that was so important last week? And then that just stops and makes them take a beat and and really think about it. So I think and I think it's just communicating all the way and especially as early as possible so as soon as you hit that unforeseen tell them about it rather than get to the there delivery and tell them about it um people i think people so often feel out of touch um we we know what's going on we speak to the developers we understand what they're saying we speak to the designers we understand what they're saying and then these other people are in an office somewhere and you forget how out of the loop they feel and that feeling of lack of control is what gets quite intimidating sometimes so just just telling them hardly anything but something, just hearing from you and really staying in the loop, I think just really makes the whole process so much easier. Thanks, Lisa.
4: Yeah, certainly uh, from my perspective, uh, I like a lot of what Lisa said there. The um, uh, the two th- things I would say, you know, that certainly in the agile community, you'll hear a lot about like outcomes over output. And I think so really kind of going back to that, first of all, I would say like, what are they trying to get out of this, right? Very few times people just want the feature for the sake of the feature. They're trying to produce some sort of business outcome. So linking it back to that and trying to understand, okay, what are we trying to deliver? Therefore, you can play around with scope a little bit to still get some 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 impact in that that direction. I don't actually think there's anything wrong, too, with stakeholders saying, for instance, if they come up and say, no, no, super critical, we get this done in a month, I think as a development team, you you should be able to go back to your stakeholders and say, okay, if that time frame is fixed, here's what we can do in a month that either takes you along the step towards where you're trying to go or gives maybe a marginal or partial impact you can start to get some assessment for, and you can build from there too, right? Well, oftentimes they're just looking for, hey, is this gonna work? Is this a signal we're seeing with our customers, maybe that they're gonna use this feature or like this, thing, right? Um, the only other thing I would suggest too in this space is um, there's some really good tools that can help you look at probability too. Like you mentioned, uh, Evan, about like that there's a lot of uncertainty building. So you're doing something new. Well, how new is it, right? If it's something that maybe you've done kind of a pattern of before, But, um, you know, you're not you're not sure about certain aspects, highlight what those risks are. Is it a technical risk or is it is it a marketing risk? You know, we don't know if customers are going to like this, but we know how to build it. Or is it a development risk? Like, you know what, we've never done anything like this before. We're going to have to maybe prototype something up front, put that risk up front. Uh, Talk to your stakeholders about it, too. Like they understand risk, but they don't uh, I think at Lisa said they don't often know where that risk lies. So if you can surface that for them and then go. Like, you know what, the, the, the risk here is we don't know how to build this. We're going to do a little bit of prototyping up front. That'll give us a better indication. I think then as you go through, you know, your certainty and confidence with your deliverable timeframes should improve and get more concrete. Usually your stakeholders kind of understand that. But uh, I think trying to give them some abil- ability up front to say, look, at you know, we only we're only about 50 percent confident right now. But within like a couple of weeks, we can build up to 80 percent confidence in our time frames by tackling these risks and kind of mitigating those. But. Um, you know, there's there's always gonna be risk. I think communication is key, I think, as as Lisa said as well to you.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Dwayne. Gary, can we come to you on that one?
2: Yeah, Samuel, well. I was just going to
0: uh, um add to you a couple of
2: things there, I'm just picked some out, completely agree with what's been mentioned there. But managing expectations, I think, also starts with setting the right expectations and that's something that you mentioned there, uh, uh, Dwayne, in terms of there's certain there's uncertainties, there's risks involved in making sure you understand what it is. Uh, and also setting the expectations from the outset that you of uh, what you can deliver and the expected uh, if there's a fixed uh, deadline. Um, and just to kind of pick out as well, something that uh, in my experience has uh, has worked, and it's it's often uh, it's, it's often not the easiest thing to do, but to do things in terms of uh, delivering something early. I and mean, then Austin as well. So whether that's a prototype or even a, a first iteration uh, model, that helps in the communication, right, in terms of being able to say that we are understanding this uh, and here's our, uh, you know, here's our first attempt. i always liking it uh, to, you know, throwing darts at a dartboard. You throw a dart and sometimes, you, sometimes you'll miss, but at least you've advanced your learning, you've advanced your understanding, and maybe you've knocked away some of those un- unknowns and uncertainties as well so uh, for me it's about uh, and you know when I read that uh, question it's about you know clear setting of expectations and in, in, in the first place as you say the communication but also doing things as early and as often uh, as possible and along with that uh, you know uh, iterative approach would be the, the thing that I think would help the the communication and managing people's uh, expectations from there.
4: Yeah, I just want to jump in there if I can. Just, I love because I love what you said, Gary, about the the engagement with the the stakeholders too, right? It's funny how how often it's that open communication path and getting them engaged just buys you a lot too in terms of like when you are modifying scope or these kind of things, right? They they feel engaged in the process. They understand why things are moving, right? So, but I just love that it just it just creates a a better uh, connection with them, right? So. I'm interested to hear now, Evan. So you said you had some ideas on this, Evan. So 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 what was uh, what was your thoughts in? Yeah, I
1: think uh, I think you guys uh, literally, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, when I look at the, like, you know, literally, you know, the conversation is like, you know, yeah, can you build like, you know, a, I don't know, a space? Ship. well, no, in, you know, and actually I don't know. I like, when can I build a space ship, but you know, I can, I can, I can, I can have, you know, this first module with 90% certainty, you know, within a week or within a month, right. And uh, because I know, I know my team, the, uh, and, and then, you know, unless, as you said, you know, we, we have, you know, prototype iterations to, to tackle the unknown unknowns, right. And then, 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 you know, this, this certainty, you know, becomes better and better. So the, this, the thing that I'll I think it, it, it kind of got mentioned, but maybe needs to be emphasized is, is to have a standardized, uh, you know, we mentioned that we need to have a clear communication. My emphasis here is on the standardized communication, and this needs to be metric-driven because, you know, you know, even the stakeholders, like, even the best experts on the field don't know, right, you know, what they're asking, you know, and this is the, the nature of of, of of innovation or new products or digital products, right? So you have to, you know, you have to go back with their metrics, right? Like, let's say that you... Oh no! You delivered the the, the registration module of, of your system. You know, you know, do you know they and they have like a like a, like an expectation that users you know click the register button. Well, do they click it? right? You know, go back go back to metrics and say, hey, you know, we haven't delivered this, the full sales platform, but we have delivered you know this first module, and the users can 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 get onboarded. Are they getting onboarded? Are they getting onboarded? You know, the way that, that you guys you know thought about this right and and, and go back to metrics and say. Well, you know what? We, we have you know 100 users, but only two of them you know click uh, the button. And maybe they're not clicking the button because it's orange. Maybe they're not clicking it because you know whatever the reason right? Like, you know, so you have to go back with metrics. And and the more metrics, you know, the more product metrics that you that you show them, uh, it's it's better to to communicate the, the uncertainty uh, that you're dealing with and and and. Uh, uh, and what they're asking, pretty much, right? Like, you know, like, uh, you know, they, they might be asking, okay, we want this whole thing, but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, you know, let's drive it with a, uh, with a, uh, yeah, in, in a metric driven approach. So I, I think mm-hmm. metrics is, is the essence there. And, and as you said, you know, the, we, we live with, 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 with fixed iterations, with what we are very certain with, like, with, like we have a 90% certainty and then, and then we, 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 we go and iterate further down the line is, uh, yeah, it's pretty much, you yeah, know, iterations so that just raise the, the bar of certainty. Of
0: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Perfect, thanks everyone. Um, Gary, welcome to you next. So one of the topics you wanted to ask the panel was about the challenges of balancing continuous improvement whilst ensuring the continuation of software delivery. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of context behind that one, first of all?
2: Um, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, I mean, it was kind of alluded to earlier on in terms of it's always the case in terms of managing uh, priorities, you know, things that you would like to do versus things that absolutely uh, must happen. But yeah, my question was very much around, um, uh, you know, the having continuous improvement embedded within the teams and within the organisation uh, is something that you know every every everyone wants, uh, but the resources or the people who are going to um make those improvements and uh, advance things uh, whether it's your architecture or uh, your processes are the same people who actually have to um you know work you know, do the do the real work <laughs> uh of continuing to develop your product so that, that was a question really is how how do how do uh, the, the guys uh, manage that within their teams uh you know what tools do they use to be able to Make sure that there's not too much uh, time being spent on, uh, you know, there, there's there's not there's not zero time being spent on continuous improvement. But by the same token, it's not uh, zero output in terms of the, the roadmap, etc. If that makes sense?
3: Yeah. So I'm actually having this conversation with a client at the moment because they need so it's um i wasn't just a WordPress, it's a WordPress, it's a big busy WordPress. So many plugins need upgrading. But Black Friday is coming up, so let's all do all the Black Friday stuff. And it's like, no, we did that last month about something else. So we really need to. Um, so it's that they they're in a, they have so many hours a month for us to work on. And um, and yeah, so um, it's it's just about pushing back, really. It's like with communication. It's about telling them. So it's I'm going to say a lot of what I said before, but about um, explaining why why it's important because php upgrade isn't exciting is it whereas um and, and also i find there's a there's a problem um when people are arguing over what budget it comes from as well because i guess i'm seeing a lot of clients rather than in-house tools all the time where um marketing wants this new thing so they think the php upgrade isn't come of their budget it comes out of from the it's budget and so then there's that kind of way up as well um so it's just, i think it's just explaining the importance but with regards to giving resource so then once you've explained the importance you can put a timeline in place you can say right this week we're going to focus on this and um, that still gives us plenty of time before that deadline so that then the next week whilst you're reviewing that change we can work on the boring things that you're not interested in and we we'll get your feedback so leapfrogging. um i guess we do a lot of leapfrogging because you've always got to be careful and you? once you're really in the swing of it if you're really in the zone of building this new feature you don't want to stop and go and run some updates and you can't you know that's, that's that's something that we really have to stress to some clients over the time is that if we've got something set on a branch they need to review it they need to be moving with us they need to be getting back to us before we move something else on and then you're trying to merge that in together that that thing moved on since that one was built and it wasn't rolled out yet um so it's just explaining the importance to clients of the time frames and um you know diagrams of when have got basically Laravel security support and this is when the next Laravel comes out this is when php support is up to whatever um so yeah, a, a, like a bit of a long term timeline with regards to actual platform upgrades, and then a juggling and a frogging of resources, often whilst the client is, deep, is giving feedback on a feature that keeps them busy and then moving forward with that, whilst you can do them on, um, the more behind the scenes stuff. So, um, thank you, wanna go.
4: Yeah, I'm going to jump in there if I can, just because I, I really like this question because it also um, helps us understand a little bit like continuous improvement is such a broad topic. But yet, you know, this particularly talks, touches on, like, process improvement, I think, more than anything else. Like, things like, because you're getting into tech debt maybe as a kind of product or, or like, product improvement as well. Just iterating on a product kind of continuous improvement as well. You touched on things like developer improvements and learning and training as well, too, as part of maybe a tangential aspect there. But I think when you're talking specifically, I think, Gary, about, like, the process improvements and, like, how do you spend time? And maybe a, a tech debt there, tooling, these kind of things. I think they, like... Uh, I always, I've seen people really struggle where they try to basically evaluate this against product or business improvements, right? They'll do some sort of prioritization framework and they'll be like, oh, okay, is this more important than feature X or this other work that's going on to help us increase revenue or something like that, right? And I think that's that's always going to fail. I think you're always going to struggle with that because I think it's always, you know, they, they aren't the same. It's like comparing apples and oranges and you're going to be trying to compare things that don't like don't have the same value really in this in, and they don't get evaluated but in the same way by stakeholders, right? So I, I find the best way I it, to approach that is really thinking about it as an investment. So, make, uh, and when you, come, when you come up, most stakeholders who aren't kind of business oriented, kind of, they get to grips with that pretty easily. Or right? if you say, okay, look at, out of my 100% budget allocation, how much do you think should be invested in kind of just keeping the product up to date or improving the product or these kind of things, right? Usually you'll find it's like, you know, it's rarely... Kind of 50%, depending on you know, if you're if you're maybe if you're into a mature product with lots of kind of work that needs to get done on it, maybe, you know, you've been ignoring some stuff for a while. But usually they'll say, okay, well, I'm expecting, yeah, like 10, 10, maybe 20%, maybe at a most, you know, something like that. They might agree to something like that. And that gives you some sort of way to start to arbitrate a little bit in that space, right? Okay. How then do you how then do you work that in, right? And the ways I've seen then you can work that in, you can either start to say the, the only ways I've seen it work well. Are with a defined process is either, you know, you have something like, I was in one organization where, um, you know, they operated like a, 12, uh, a 12-week a twelve cycle in every quarter. But usually there's an extra week in there. There's like 13 weeks in a quarter. So they would say, okay, one week at the end of the quarter is going to be where we do our product improvement, and our process improvements, and they kind of allocate that. The good thing about that is it meant that developers, as they were starting to sort of think of these things, they would plan for that. They'd start to Okay, we're going to do this now. They start to then prioritize their backlog of work and process improvements and things they want to do for that time period. And I think that's really important to, you to structure and plan that back, like that backlog or that process improvement for technical debt. I think that developers aren't used to it the same way product teams are, in terms of refining it and really structuring that work. I think if you can get used to that, you get more leeway with your stakeholders because you have a very clear plan of how you're going to address it. Um, but the other thing is, or like if uh, if not like a, a, an allocated week, but just maybe allocating tickets or like saying, okay, we're gonna try to bring in a, a story or two every every sprint, you know, and we're gonna bring in a story or two, and somebody's gonna be allocated to that as either maybe as a support or, or kind of process. That's that's a little bit harder because I think it's always you're always wanting to ram things into every sprint with that that's gonna get business value, so it's a bit harder to do that. But um, I, I do think that it, the more you can um really be clear about the benefits it's gonna drive to that. The only thing I would say is um, like I, I, I know Lisa said there was supposed to be like some things that are maybe a bit boring to the business, but I think they should be interesting to the business as well too. Like if you can uh, if you can identify what the value is, hey, you know what? You know, this is gonna help us be like 10% faster. Maybe you can't quantify it per se, but it's gonna be faster in terms of delivering our 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 builds, you know, or, you know, things like that then that's one they can okay, look, they don't even need to necessarily understand exactly how it's going to deliver, but at least they understand the benefit you're trying to drive, right? And it's not just a, oh, we're just going to do this because it's like, we think that this part of the code is poor. Like, well, okay, but is that, is that a problem for our business? Is it maybe it's okay to be poor for a period of time? We don't need it that often. You know, we don't change it that often. So I think trying to really give them some context for that would help as well too. But I don't know. That's, that's kind of why I said it.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely uh, spot on 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 the way the, the way that uh, I've been thinking uh, as well. Uh, maybe maybe I can provide a bit more technical how to uh, uh, you know application on on how to manage it uh, as well. So you can you know first of all you know I'll, I'll be quite dogmatic in saying that well you cannot have continuous improvements if you haven't dealt with a, with a process of continuous delivery, right? Like you know if like if you don't have you know a process of how you're getting you know a feature, you know, from an idea to feature, you know, to an actual, you know, functional unit that the user sees or whoever is, is, is your user, bit much, you know, the, the service. Anyway, you know, the person that is paying you, if you don't have, you know, eh, you know, you know, make a process of this, you know, you know, give, you know, given your CI clients, pipelines, given, you know, how, you know, how the feature gets translated into, into a kind of a Jira ticket and, and, and then gets propagated or how, you know, the, the teams are acquiring this. You know, this this and then they need you know the self management to deliver it. You know, this called you know continuous delivery operation. If you haven't set it, you're not going to have continuous, you know, uh, improvements. You know, that's that, that's pretty much you know the kind of hard truth. Now, how, how, how do you communicate that, uh, bit you know, to the stakeholders and us, you know. As Duane said, you know it does require a bit of investment, or so you have to you know communicate that as a bit of investment, some some investment within the stakeholders. Well, you know that again, you know I'm a very metrics driven person, so you know you go back and then you you know you say things like about the set framework, right? Like like you know you can say that hey, you know the very poor organisations deliver you know once a month or or once a quarter, the very good organisations, you know deliver daily right like you know uh, where are we you know and, and it's a very and it's a very easy communication to have with, with your stakeholders and, and say well if we if we don't if we don't deliver often we're well, we're gonna be on the millions kind of company rather than the billions kind of company you know because this is this is what the billions dollar company do. Another uh, another way is that have managed to communicate um uh tech type is, is pretty much by implementing uh, fitness functions right so so, uh, So could match function is like you know you 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 know uh, you come up with a uh, with, uh, with an, uh, you know how how you know how some components of your infrastructure should work as excellent right like uh, you know but how you know how should you be storing that right you should be having data and things like that right so this is like a 10 out of ten you know does this component of this 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 theme implement all that no it integration you know, only only two out of three or three out of three right uh, so it's three out of ten okay you know uh, okay, you know kind of modules of the excellency uh, and and uh, and you can fit you know come up with a uh, you know uh, you can distribute this this, this fitness uh, guideline uh, to all of your teams and say, listen guys, this is the excellence this is the excellency, uh, you know come back to me with with a fitness goal of, of 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 what you have done then and, and 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 then you, you you know then then you can have a very easy aggregate and say, Back to the stakeholders. Well, look, you know, this this part of the business is, is is like a seven out of ten, so so very good there. But, uh, but I don't know, the 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 CMS of the business is, is like you know very poor. You know, it's it's like you know two out of ten. You know, so 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 there's a huge technical debt that, that that we need to tackle there, and 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 this and this is a thing that we, we can very easily you know start putting on your on your delivery pipeline saying hey. We just stock you know that up a bit, or, or we need to have better response times and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, you know, uh, yeah. So I'm a very method guy, so I, I use that as a communication kind
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was quite interesting. There is a there's a kind of a small certainty uh, in, in things as well, uh, in terms of there are some. Um, so certainly in the world of union, just now there are some product features that we are developing that the business is asking us to develop, um, and are needed for our roadmap in a, a certain uh, kind of you know certain timeframe. Uh, but what we would like to do uh, yeah. is maybe implement them in a slightly different way, so either using a different architecture or different uh, uh, platform, um, and that would require us to build our knowledge, etc. So if we were to do, if we were to do this feature in the same way as we've always done and continued to build upon that technical debt we've amassed over a year, then it's going to take us three months. But if we were to do it this way, it'll take us five months. So the slight subtlety as well is that sometimes uh, we were talking earlier about communication, but sometimes there's some things you don't necessarily need to tell them everything about. You know, It's a case of uh, understanding. There is that communication there to say, if we were to deliver this in five months, does that meet the requirements okay well that's the case then yeah. we're going to go and do it this way you don't need to know that it's using this platform you don't need to know the nuts and bolts trust us if you like see what i mean
3: and often they don't want to know the nuts and bolts increasingly nowadays i think you know, just, yeah
4: yeah. Well, yeah i did touch on that too because i think that's a really good point right now. And and you know we are responsible for as uh, technical owners too right i think in a lot of cases you know i was in one organization where you know they were that we you know we were trying to put together this this technical you know estimate and you no know, and somebody had said to me okay what we need to do is put together all the different options and then we'll hand it over to the stakeholders and then they'll tell us which one they want to do. And I'm saying I'm not going to do that that's like that, that I, I'm here to basically like I'm here to basically say this is what I think we're going to do like I don't mind absolutely say here's the other options we've assessed but this is what we're going to do and here's why we think this is the right direction to go and then they can come back and counter that if they want but I'm not going to go like just hand over the kind of Autonomy. Like you know, they expect us to be opinionated. They expect us to have ownership. They expect us to have good reasons rationale out for doing it. That's why we're in the positions we're in. I think that we should uh, you know actually step forward and lean into that and make those kind of you know proposals. It's, it's okay to have that discussion, be open about it, but at the same time too, it's like you know absolutely we should be kind of going forward and say here's the direction. I think you mentioned Gary like say, look, you know, we're going to do this in five months because this is important for us to do it this way for the business and for uh, the long term longevity of our product and our customers. So therefore why what we're going to do it that way. And then if you get pushed back and then you can have a discussion from there. But, you know, uh, yes, I certainly hear um, your, your view on that.
3: I think like a decade ago, I was already still giving everyone all the options. And then I read something, I think it was Warren Buffett, but don't like, quote me on it. Something someone said about the most valuable people you need around you as a leader. are the people that give you just the information you need to know, not all the information. And so then that just changed all my emails to clients. And now it's just, like, and you're absolutely right there that they, it's not in their skill set they haven't got aspects for it they're journeying in really different things so they just want to know what your recommendation is and yeah I think it's really good like when you said about these are the other things we considered like you know sum up just to show that you so it's a rounded decision but um and they might well want to delve into more of those um but yeah tell them the recommendation we very much with that and gary yeah you're absolutely right it's so hard to sort of chisel in cpd time isn't it I'm Continue professional development time when you when you're just up against deadline deadline deadline. So if you can just sneak it in there without anyone needing to know that you're necessarily learning new stuff, it's for their benefit, isn't it? It's, it's, they don't know what's good for them. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
4: that part about professional development too is important too, right? Because sometimes you might have options in your team for somebody might be like a, a developer who's trying to develop some skill in a certain area. That might mean you're taking a little bit longer to do something, but super important as well too, right? To get you know, get coverage in your team in terms of knowledge and skill set, right? So I'd be like, hey, this is, Pat, or if I had the expert do it, then, you know, the, the most senior person who's done this before can do it in maybe a month. But actually, we want other people to get involved. The, you know, the senior is going to oversee it, but this other person can be involved take a little bit longer. But that gives us a better team to manage the long-term expectations. Of business.
1: So. And this uh, is a great, uh, discussion on how do you break the sign of and How do you, you, you know, uh, you know spread, spread the knowledge? So I think this is like a great topic, you know, absolutely
4: <laughs> the whole podcast on its own later on
2: Podcasting, also yes
0: <laughs> that's the next topic sorted <laughs> um lisa we'll come to you next your question was around how to manage budget and scope creep when doing continuous improve uh, continuous development for clients sorry um do you want to give us a little bit of context behind that
3: um, yeah so it's just um, around the fact that if you're developing your in-house tools or you know if, if it's your own in-house system and you've got your budget and you uh, can stagger things and all of that but when it's the clients um, and so i do not explain what the point really is we've got clients that work in different ways Well, the our clients that we love working with, we love the like nice, ones particularly are the ones where it's almost like an extension of our own. We can work with them as we work with our own team. And so we can say, well, this might take a day, but, you know, just it really might not. Let's just like give it a go and see how it goes. And you have a see what you think of it initially. Um, and then we'll go from there. And they look at it and they say, yeah, actually, you know, we can work with this. Let's leave it at that for now. And that's great. That wasn't even the whole day. That's what, it might be more than a day, but whatever. And um, so that that's fine. And that's a great way to work but at the moment people are increasingly understandably budget conscious and you still have plenty of clients who need that fixed quote and if it's a fixed quote then you don't know the uncle scenes it's maybe not a big enough piece to have sort of done a load of research beforehand so you have to tell them what well, two days because there might be uncle scenes and you kind of want to move them into understanding if they would just give us a bit more if they could be a bit more fluid, with not needing fixed quotes and they could just work in the way we work more sort of agilely but with really a small way um then then it would be a benefit to them and so we've got clients let's say that we've worked with for over a decade and we're very much they just ask for something we just do it and that's great then you've got the ones that they need this fixed quote um, and then as soon as something comes up that wasn't in that fixed quote you've got to catch it, you've got to spot it, you've got to stop the developer just doing what they were asked in the in the feedback or something, and you've got to pause it whilst you get another quote signed up, and that just breaks the whole flow. And that just slows it all down, and it ends up taking much longer than it needs to. So I just wondered if anyone had any tips for, how, for catching things when, you, when you're when having to work to a really fixed quote, which I appreciate is different from the development, but it, it, it's still, it, it, it is there when you're working with clients like we are. It's there. Um, how do you manage that juggle of catching the extras and going through the process? I can
1: try uh, to take uh, the first blow on this one uh, because the, 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 this is a tough uh, topic. I've been, I've been, uh, I've seen scope clipping from you know, so, you know, sourcing from all over the place. You know, scope clip from you know, from the stakeholders. Uh, you know, uh, scope clip from from the product owners. Scope clip from the engineering people themselves. Right? Uh, you know, like you know, like you know, be- and as 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 technical leader, yeah, you know, you know, you know, Lisa, you are very very correct. You have to be the one that says no, this is enough. Like, let's ship it, right? Uh, and, and 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 that's it. Now, you you know you 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 know you you're adding uh, you know a great a great uh, you know a, a emphasis. So, I uh, you know, what if you are an answer? Provider and 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 what is the project is called but this this is this is definitely a danger. because, you know uh, from from my experience, uh, you know uh, you know, and 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 I have I have pretty much, you know, managed consultants. I have you know my years as, as a consultant have been very very limited. Uh, the the advice as a consultant is uh, you know uh, from my experience is again it's very limited. And the only thing that I've seen it working is pretty much to, to have some very clear RFPs. And, and and just because you know uh, sign against those RFPs and and make sure that uh, before you sign those RFPs you know you, you have the correct acceptance criteria and say listen you know this is this is the user flows that uh, that, that we have signed to 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 deliver and, and this, this is this are the acceptance criteria anything above that is obviously you know beyond, beyond the RFP. Uh,
2: that,
1: that's you know and, and that that's usually usually against the RFP you have a fixed code. If you don't have a fixed code and, and you have, because you know uh, a continuous delivery. So, I mean, a, you know, a partner that that, that you continuously deliver for, for this client, then you know, obviously, you need to be part of their agile, uh, you know, of the of the you know, uh, yeah, of the of the continuous uh, development uh, as, as as they develop their the, their product. Now, managing in general the scope creep. Uh, again, uh, you know, for the for the product stakeholders, you have to go back and say, okay, you know, we can we can deliver this, but what is it that you know like what is you know give me a metric right you know uh, because if, if you know if you if you're able to deliver continuously uh you know uh, what is the metric that you want to see to say yeah this is done right is 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 it that you know the the users start registering or is it that you know we have you know we have hit the hundred the hundred uh, you know registration or what is the metric to consider this as done, and and let's move on, right? Like you know, let's uh, let's move on to, to to the next feature, and then and then and then you know, as as we said, you know, apply continuous improvement later on. Um, on the engineering scope group, uh yeah. So this is this is this is usually something that, that goes you know uh, you know uh, very very sneakily <laughs> you know uh, you know under the hood, right? So, and and this is where the, I guess the technical has to be very. Uh, engineering literate uh, in in the sense that you know you have to understand when uh, when the engineering team is adding uh, complexity for the sake of complexity or well, it's only complexity because it's it's actually needed and, and it's something that you know maybe you or other stakeholders just didn't know about right like you know like for example hey let's do an ml you know and an ml you know thing about you know this you know our, our data and, and and the engineers come back you can say well, we don't even have data, right? <laughs> Kind of a thing, right? And and, and that will be scope creep, obviously. But uh, but if you know that you have that, if you know that you have, you know, some functionality and they come back to you and say, Okay, let's pick Snowflake like uh, in in-house, then you have to understand. say, well, okay, guys, let's let's stop it there and, and maybe let's 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 you know, let's buy Snowflake like nicer instead of not implementing it inside. So so yeah, yeah, scope creep, I think it's it's a fine balance. Yeah, I don't know if it my is, answer is the exactly. best, but I would like I would like to answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because so
3: yeah. often um, it's when you said about it being because so often it's little things. And so what I find is that I'll be like, Well, that's a little thing, so that's okay. Sometimes I find I, I say to people, Well, let's save up all your save up all these tiny things till the end and I'll just see what I can throw in. Um but you're right, you've got to be so um so I used to be developer before moving, just like you know, not like super, super technical, but still I I can understand what when our clients are asking for stuff, I know what it's going to entail. And um yeah, you've just got to really follow that really carefully because then suddenly yeah, suddenly they just throw this extra little thing on. And like you can you can really specify it, but what I find where things where the issues come up is where you if you don't specify what's not included, because you can't think of everything a client will ever think of. So you can't specify everything that it doesn't include. And they've just seen something on Facebook or Amazon.
2: I <laughs> like, well, let's just like pop that on. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah sorry. I, I was I was just going to add in as well. Uh, we, uh, my background in the salesies world, we had that self same challenge on a very regular basis because you you know when you're when you're looking to quote for the work, you want to make sure you've got a nice sharp pencil in terms of uh, you know being competitive so that you do get the work coming in. But I can say token, you have to have uh, you know enough in there. Um, some things that have uh, had success in the past would be adding in some contingency, so there is that contingency there, uh, to do that uh, I have seen it in the past whereby the first thing that gets challenged is the fact that you put in that contingency energy. sometimes you uh, sometimes, uh, lose it but just the thing you mentioned there uh, Lisa, about specifying what's not included that's a really powerful thing to do you can't get everything but being specific in what's excluded from your Oh, is uh, is also something which I think uh, really helps set uh, set those expectations. Uh, so if you've got some contingency and people know what it is that you're going to be delivering, uh, but specifically you're excluding you know integration with Amazon etc., then uh, I think that really helps. But and uh, you, know, you know if I had 13 years in that world, then that was just a problem that just continued and continued. So if you do find a solution and come up with it, then I think uh, it will be a and lots of podcasts on that one for sure <laughs> yeah it, this is a,
4: a great question and um I, i'm glad it's come up because really uh you know we talk about agile delivery and uh, i've been you know working in agile communities and agile meetups and i think probably one of the biggest challenges i've seen the agile community trying to face as a whole is just this idea of like time and budget like you know and i have a friend of mine who always says that you know no business stakeholder has ever said, I don't care how much and I don't care how long. Like, you know, we operate in business environments. And I think, honestly, there's too many people in the agile environment that go, as soon as they see somebody go, well, what's the time frame that they're going, well, we're doing agile. We, we know, we don't have timeframes. And just going like, it doesn't work that way. And I think the responsible agile people go, that's fine. Let's take it into the context. Let's work agile, but with your requirements in play. Let's work like, how do we want to work? If is super important, you know, you got time, you got scope, you got cost." You can have two or three. You can't have all of them, but you can you can be communicate with your stakeholders on that too, right? I mean, okay, if time is super important, if your critical your critical, you know, uh, on is time, then let's work on the scope. Okay, here's what we can do within that scope, and that's fine. You know, we we can't basically, you know, we can't do all three. Or even if they have like time and scope, then okay, fine, we can we can like double the team size. It's gonna kind of cost you like you know, three times as much to try to deliver it in that time frame because you know we've got to get extra people involved to do that. Right? Um. But that you know that, that goes a little bit into I, I think what the the whole problem is there. But you were asking about specifically like this kind of that scope creep, and I think that's that to me uh, you know I think Gary touched on it as well too. But like you know trying to have some indication with them up front of like how how solid are the requirements? Like you know how much do you anticipate is going to change out of this, right? Because if they're not, they might come up and say we want a mobile app that does X, Y, and Z, and you're like okay, they seem to have a really good idea of what they want. The requirements are pretty clear. This is, you know, you, you, we're not seeing a lot that's going to change in here. So we can be pretty, you know, we think that we're not going to have to allocate a lot of let's say, contingency for for maybe modifications. And that will be a, your call to make I guess on how how comfortable you are with what they're doing and how how solid those requirements are. But if, uh, you know, if they're coming in and going like, geez, they really don't seem that certain with it. You can have that, com- that, that conversation with them and say like, you know, OK, why don't we actually plan in some time? Well, we're going to review this after two weeks. We're going to look at it. What else you want to do? And then that gets to the part where, where like Gary said about the, you know, in the contingency, so i say, we'll add in some extra time here because we think there's going to be some changes. You could even say, look, you know, if we deliver it early because we don't use that contingency, that cost goes down and then they understand that, you know, they, that's fine, being upfront with the business around that. But, um, you know, I think the more you can actually be uh, upfront about that contingency and say, look, here's how we see the uncertainties, what's going to change in that project better. Never get away from, from time and budget, I think, really, at the end of the day.
3: Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so
1: the the, the, the the yeah, so I'm 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 very fond of you know yeah with the time of you know uh, yeah, the, 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 the of, you know uh, that you know, uh, when he said, you know, you know, scope time and budget. The the only caveat that I've seen uh, from my experience is that you know the only thing that doesn't gain uh you know as 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 analogous as as the other two is is budget right so so you know so let's say that you know they you know you're you know in in the middle of you know or even the start of the project and and they say okay you know let's you know let's let's you know increase the budget because you know the time is very critical very actually i've never seen it you know kind of working you know like like onboarding takes it takes time you know uh you know uh you know, hiring takes time. You know, team you know team reformation you know takes time. So 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 you cannot say okay, let's you know let's just let's just buy, you know another day by just for you know another one case. Like it's not gonna work, right? Like like you know if you want to yeah just the budget it's gonna cost you know three times or even ten times you know more you know if you know if if you want to you know hit that 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 time so. So so, 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 yeah. This really, the budget, I think, is the only one that can bite you very, very much.
4: <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, yeah, not the mythical man month kind of thing of like, oh, we'll double the team size in half our half our time, right? You know, like, this exactly. <laughs> but, but the but it is one of the absolute what's one one of the you know dimensions you can play with a little bit, right? You know, and, and certainly in a often in a client or agency kind of formation or consulting firm, you can say, okay, look, here's the options we have. Here's how far we can go with that but um you know there are limits to it absolutely
0: perfect thanks everyone um will come to you finally for for your question so um you wanted to discuss how change can be uncomfortable at first and how to overcome this and um, pretty self-explanatory but do you kind of want to give us a little bit of background to that
4: one yeah thanks rachel uh so yeah it's it's so and this probably touches on more of something that the that gary mentioned earlier about process change right so you're thinking you're, you sit down with your team and we're gonna we're gonna adopt some new process and they can, you know maybe we're going to I don't know, we're gonna we're going adopt a three amigos process and really get better at you know scooping out our stories beforehand or something like that. But the team aren't practiced at that, so you know, it's the first time you're gonna try it. So you start to do it, and then they, you know inevitably what happens is people go, oh, okay, it's kind of working okay a little bit. But then like you know you're, you're not you're not seeing the immediate benefits right away because people haven't really done it that well. They're still learning how to do it, and so you know like. The question I've always seen is like, how far do you go along? Sometimes you get people that will, you know, try it after like, you know, a couple of weeks, people be like, this isn't working. Let's abandon this and go back to what we were doing before. Right. Or, or, or then, you, but then also it's like, how long do you go then? Do you do people go like, well, we've been trying this for six months and it's not any better. So in there somewhere is kind of a middle ground of like, and maybe it differs per context, but like, I was wondering from the other people on the panel, like when you start to bring in change to process and continuous improvement in this way, how, how do you work with your, you know, your teams to basically go look, you know, it, it's gonna maybe feel a bit uncomfortable for a bit, and how do you work with them and support them through that process, and or or when do you just go, okay, let's pull the plug and okay, this isn't working, which
3: sometimes it doesn't, right? So. I think Evan's gonna be all about the metrics on this because I think you just need lots, yeah, of, you need <laughs> lots of things to
4: benchmark <laughs> to the extent yeah. you? That's you that's that's true. True. Yeah.
3: You have a plan. I I completely, obviously, obviously, completely depends on every situation, but I think sort of three to six months let stuff really sink in. But it depends on the situation, what it is you're actually doing. But I think you need to review it within that time often, not leave it to three months and review it very often so you can make little tweaks along the way and keep iteratively changing it so it works. But really know what would be a sign of success, what would be your measurements of whether it's working
1: or not. I mean I can I can I can take this the next one, but uh, to, to be honest, uh, you know, I you know, I don't think I have a, a very you know golden cut in terms of metrics on this one. It's definitely a hard problem to solve. Uh, you know, I have I have seen I have seen, you know, a bit less, you know, teams going from you know their own fleetboard agile to safe or less. Uh, you know and and, and, and you know, things things going horribly wrong. Uh, I've seen you know things you know doing like wrong kind of again flavor delivery and then and then trying to to get them into a nice you know continuous delivery and lots of things you know uh, getting horribly wrong. Uh, so this is like this is much less good good technical issue rather than culture issue. Uh, to be honest, like I think, I think, I think it's literally like, like culture. Uh, to, to be honest, you know, from, from, from my experience, like actually, it's the only question that, that, that you know it should have been metrics-driven, but uh, you could come up with metrics, you know, just for the, you know, to, you know, just for the communication. But uh, and, and probably you should, but uh, but but it will be very specific to, to the organization because it's it's literally down to the culture, right? Uh, from, from from my experience. Uh, I don't think I have seen uh, a clear cut of, 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 process to say, yeah, you know, we're going to sit from, you know, the way that we're doing agile or whatever we're doing to save and it's going to work, you know, uh, or, 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 or let, let's, let's, you know, flip the switch and, and do, you know, continuously delivery from, 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 next day and it's going to work. No, I've never seen it working. It's, it's literally down to continuous communication and, and, and culture shift. It's, it's, it's a big topic and it's, yeah. Yeah, you know, takes that bit. So yeah, it's you know, they better have a bit of really good song.
0: <laughs> Thanks, everyone. I think um, just with time and wires, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, that was today's episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. If you are hiring for a new technical role or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Rachel Connolly and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at rachel.connolly at evolutionjobs.co.uk. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us again next time.